0: In the name of the newborn King Jesus. Amen. Brothers and sisters, if you had to guess which percentage of all of the sensory receptors in your entire body are devoted to sight, what would your guess be? And this is a Lutheran church, so you can guess silently. If you'd like, that's fine. Just um, just nod when I hit your number, okay? 25%? 40% maybe? 50? 60? 65? 70%. About 70% of the body's sensory receptors are in your eyes. Okay, and so now for another question. What are your eyes with... That majority of your body's sensory receptors. What are your eyes utterly useless without? Light. Light. Consider that the gospel for Christmas Day opens by drawing our attention now back to creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Everything was created through the Word of God. And what was the first thing that was created by God's word? God said, let there be light. And there was light. So it's not by accident that John the Evangelist continues now speaking about the word of God, that the word by whom everything was created, as you can plainly read in Genesis 1, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never <coughs> extinguish it. The word brought light to everyone. Now, there are certain types of life that thrive in the darkness, but we have God-given instincts that kind of lead us to, like, recoil at that kind of, like, ooh, there's something not right about that, right? You, you maybe peel away, I don't know, pull up some, pull up some carpet in your house. Yikes, how is that alive down there? Or you open up a wall or you discover something, right? Like, you know, you, or, or you go down into the basement and you flip on the light switch and you're like, ooh, the bugs, you know, sc- skittering away or whatever, right? Bringing back all kinds of traumatic childhood memories for you in creepy farmhouse basements, right? Now, in general, light is needed to some degree or another for life, okay? Doesn't apply in every situation, but just go with me here, all right? And you and I are no different from the world that we were created out of, first of all, right? God formed humanity out of the dust of the earth and breathed life into the nostrils of our first father, Adam. And we were, cre- we were created to inhabit and rule over this creation. We are a part of it, which means the same thing that is true of creation is true of us. Namely, that darkness reigns until God makes the light shine. Darkness reigns in your hearts. Until God makes his light shine on you. From the moment our life begins at conception, we are sinners for whom it is impossible to get to God. You're a sinner. Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's what this is all about, though. Why did Jesus come? To bring life and light just like we sang in that opening hymn, life and light to all he brings, risen with healings in his his, his wings, born to raise the sons and daughters of earth, born to give them second birth. This is the celebration of this day, that your light has come. Isaiah predicted it, that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light 2,700 years ago. Then 2,000 years ago, John the Evangelist describes it, that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So what happens next? Well, Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, and the Nativity gang showed up at various times, right? The shepherds that very night. The Magi, sometime between Jesus being 40 days old and two years old. That's kind of a big window of time, right? But um, it took a long time for them to get there. And I remember, Herod ordered that all of the boys aged two and under be killed. So that Jesus could have been two years old when the Magi actually finally showed up. But what is the light that Jesus brings? That's what John is focused on in his gospel. For that, we turned to the end of this morning's lesson. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son, <clears throat> excuse me, from the father, full of grace and truth. That's as much nativity in baby Jesus as John is going to give us in his gospel. That the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's it. There's no, no baby Jesus no manger scene, no no Mary and Joseph with the angels announcing, no. He says the word was with God in the beginning. The word was God. Everything was made through the word and that word became flesh and dwelt among us and brought life and light. And I want to focus now for the next few minutes on what he says immediately after. We have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. Jesus wasn't born just to be born friends. And there's much more to the celebration of Christmas than God merely showing solidarity with us by taking on flesh and realizing, man, it really hurts to stub your toe or get a splinter, or it's really a bummer when your friends lie to you or say nasty things to you behind your back, or when people in your life let you down. He came to do more for us than just that. The celebration, as John the evangelist would have us observe it this morning, is that the glory. Of the incarnate word is partially in the truth that he brings. Have you ever been lied to? Have you ever been misled? Have you ever been taken advantage of by a salesman or somebody in your life? Have you ever thought yourself to be part of a friend group that later turned out to all have conspired to keep the actual truth of how they feel about you from you? I have. That hurts, whether it's in middle school or in adulthood or anywhere in between. To those who hurt because of falsehood, Christmas brings this good news. The one who grew up to say, I am the truth, has arrived among us to bring light to your darkness. In John's gospel, Jesus says on 24 different occasions, truly, truly, I say to you. Everywhere Jesus went, and whenever he spoke, he radiated glory that was full of truth. In John 8, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth. And the truth, do you know how this goes? The truth will what? set you free. When the light arrives, all the hidden deeds of darkness are exposed and no longer able to continue under the cover of darkness. And the truth of God's love is made known to all in blessed, sweet clarity. How do we know that God loves us? How can I be forgiven? How can I not be afraid of death? Anymore, All of the answers to those are made crystal clear in the arrival of the Son. And the light that the Christ child brings into this world is also full of grace. Reverend Daniel Preuss says it like this. This baby whose birth we celebrate today is born to save, to bring forgiveness for all sin, to wash away all guilt, to cover the shame and embarrassment of wrongdoing, and to bestow innocence and holiness on all who believe in him. This message we can't forget as we celebrate Christmas. We do not just celebrate the birth of the son of God. We also celebrate what he came to do. So celebrate today the birth of this child, but celebrate also his life and his death and his resurrection. Celebrate both who he is and what he came to do. For then... You will celebrate the birth of the one who is full of both truth and grace, and you will celebrate your own salvation and your own everlasting crown. Then you will properly celebrate what John describes in his gospel, the coming of the true light who came that you might become children of God. It's like that hymn, What Child Is This? We're going to sing it actually in a little bit in this service. Nails, spear shall pierce him through. That's Good Friday in the middle of Christmas. What's that doing there? Well, in the church, we remember, I mean, the only day more holy to us than Christmas is the day when Jesus accomplishes the redemption that started on Christmas when he came to us. Friends, whether we realize it or not, during the Christmas season, our culture. Brings out its catechisms and it brings out its liturgies in full force. And here's what I mean, all right? A catechism is a tool used in order to teach a faith or a worldview. And by this process of instruction, a person is formed and reformed into a certain kind of person who believes a certain kind of thing and behaves a certain kind of way. And this is, as this is relevant to Christmas time, how prevalent is the Christmas movie or book or story? that seeks to tell us what Christmas is really about. Let's just focus on one example of many possibilities. Now, this is not a wholesale endorsement of this movie. I know that some of you like this. I know some of you probably hate this. Uh, But you're just going to have to roll with me, okay? National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. (laughs) Okay? I'll say right off the top, there are a couple scenes on our list that we, Nikki and I just fast-forward through every time we watch this, all right? So I'm not saying, everybody go watch this with your kids, and it's, it's awesome. Um, there are parts of it that are really not great, but the overarching narrative of this movie is that Clark Griswold is trying so hard to engineer this good old-fashioned family Christmas. He's trying to meet and exceed every spoken and unspoken expectation. I think the people in his family have an expectation like this, and his expectation that he puts on himself is like this. Does that sound familiar to any of you? (laughs) There's a reason this movie is pretty relatable, I think, to a lot of folks. The comedy of this movie then plays out in Clark's best laid plans, collapsing in on themselves like a dying star. Cousin, I'll, we'll just pick it up kind of midway through, and there's a lot that I'm not going to mention here. But um, th- just, just, if you haven't seen this, spoiler alert, okay? It's, it's been out a long time. Um, cousin Eddie arrives with his RV, and Eddie's dog drinks all the Christmas water. Okay, this is, set, this is an important part. This sets the stage for what happens later. After the family sits for dinner, where the turkey bursts open, revealing it to be drier than the Sahara Desert. <sighs> right? Uncle Louis goes to light a stogie, and the tree goes up in a puff of smoke. And Clark comes in. My tree! And Lewis turns around and goes, What's the matter with you? <laughs> and then Clark says, Lewis, and he's Lewis is on fire, right? <laughs> Clark, starting now to lose it, goes to cut Todd and Margot's tree down. And right, it crashes through their window and he, you know, pulls it out, pulls it into the house. And that tree brings along what? A squirrel, a stowaway. And once the squirrel gets loose, the dog chases it through the house, destroying whatever hopes the family had of a salvageable family Christmas celebration. I mean, it's total destruction now with this enormous dog chasing a squirrel through the house. And so folks start to get ready to leave and Clark, who has now really lost it, says, nobody's leaving, no, no. We're all in this together. And he says to his wife, how could this get any worse? And just then Clark's Christmas bonus arrives, right? The Jelly of the Month Club, a one-year membership only. Not even a lifetime membership, just a one-year membership to the Jelly of the Month Club, and that's the gift that keeps giving all year long, as Cousin Eddie says. So Cousin Eddie goes to get Clark's boss, brings it back to the Griswold residence, wrapped up in a bow, and this takes the family Christmas from utterly ruined to also Thelonious. Okay? And then the SWAT team rappels down and crashes through the windows, and uh, Clark's extremely well-illuminated roof with 25,000 twinkle lights, you know, that's just all wrecked by them. And after a bit of negotiating, all parties go their separate ways amicably. Clark gets a real bonus, not the Jelly of the Month club. And the family goes outside to see Santa Claus in the night sky, which is really a light from the regional wastewater treatment plant. Okay. So as, as all of this wraps up, Clark gives this soliloquy. Okay. He says, that's all that matters tonight, kids. Not bonuses or gifts or turkeys or trees. See, kids, it means something different to everybody. And now I know what it means to me. And there you have it. The family gathered together. A rejection of the material particulars of the Christmas celebration, right, which are the things that Clark had worked so hard to get right. Kind of a character development moment for him. And an embrace of the Christmas star that means something different to everybody. We go on this journey. And at the end of it, this concept of Christmas is pitched to us that has nothing to do with Christmas at all, at least nothing to do with Jesus at all, nothing to do with our sin and our need of a savior at all. And this is just one movie. And ultimately, this is where Christmas vacation and every other cultural artifact, no matter how much we happen to like them, fails us in the final analysis because they don't lead us to properly celebrate Christmas in its fullness. As relatable as stressing over all the details is and as cathartic as it is to laugh as this family Christmas implodes on the screen in front of us rather than cry at our own plans as they have failed, (laughs) we get no good news from the Griswolds. We get no light or truth or grace from them. You can celebrate or observe Christmas with Christmas Vacation. We do. In my house, you can observe it with White Christmas, or with It's a Wonderful Life, or with Twas the Night Before Christmas, right? Before the kids all run to bed. But remember that a Christian celebration of Christmas always makes mention also of the light and truth and grace that came to us in the Christ child. These things that are now ours because the word took on flesh and was born to Mary and Joseph. So a Christian Christmas celebration isn't complete without things like hail the heaven-born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Or from lo how a rose are blooming, this flower whose fragrance tender with sweetness fills the air Dispels with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. True man, yet very God, from sin and death he saves us and lightens every load. Or, like we just sang, break forth, O beauteous heavenly light, and usher in the morning. Ye shepherds, shrink not with affright. The day of grace is dawning. This child, though weak in infancy, our confidence and joy shall be. The power of Satan breaking. Our peace with God now making. We celebrate that Jesus was born, but we celebrate also what he came to do. We celebrate our own salvation, which was born 2,000 years ago. This is he whom seers in old time chanted of with one accord, whom the voices of their prophets promised in their faithful word, now he shines, the long-expected. Let creation praise its Lord evermore and evermore. Clark Griswold was right in a sense. Christmas isn't about bonuses or gifts or turkeys or trees, but it doesn't mean something different to everybody. It means the same thing to everybody. Your light has come, and the darkness Will never put it out. Amen.